called Kingdom Shield, and this one's for Christian businesses. So if you have a Christian-owned and operated business, get one of our brochures in the back, and you'll see what, what uh, we can do to, to, to help you. Well, if you don't know my story, for 21 years of my life, I was an atheist. I did not believe in God. And I was challenged by a Southern Baptist pastor right here in East Texas to prove that Christianity was not the truth. I took him up on his challenge. And I did an investigation of Christianity, and I was shocked because I discovered there is powerful evidence from science, history, archaeology, prophecy, many different areas which demonstrate beyond a shadow of a doubt that Christianity is the truth. And since then, I've dedicated my life to helping people not only understand how to become a Christian, but why they should become a Christian. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 14. How many of you know that becoming a Christian doesn't mean that you commit intellectual suicide. Did you know that when you become a Christian, it's one of the most reasonable, intelligent decisions that you'll ever make. You do not have to check your brain at the door to become a Christian. And I have dedicated my life to helping people not only understand how to become a Christian, but why they should become a Christian. So look with me in John chapter 14, and I can't keep going without talking about my friend up here sitting on the second row, Tammy Whitehurst is here. She's been on our TV program, Defending the Faith, and if you haven't ever seen it, you can see it on Now Christian TV. You can go to our website, defendingthefaith.com, and watch the Tammy Whitehurst episode. She's amazing. Do you know, I was like, I saw her today, I was like, what are you doing here? You're in Florida. She goes, I flew back late because I didn't want to miss church here. She loved that pastor. She loved, see, see, she knows what I know. And so she's like, I'm always trying to get back and, and go to church. And you know, she's a, she's a, man, she's a, there's only one Tammy Whitehurst. Man, man, God broke the mold and your husband's crazy. But you know, uh, Lord, Lord really, really, really using her. Well, today we want to look, John chapter 14, verse 6, and we're going to look at the question of a skeptic, one of the greatest skeptics in all the Bible, and his name is Thomas. He has a nickname. What's his name? Doubting Thomas. John chapter 14, verse 1, and by the way, he's going to ask a question. It's one of the greatest questions in all the Bible, but verse 1, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not, where are you? We do not know where you're going. Here's the question. How can we know the way? That's a great question. How can we know that Jesus is the way and Buddha is not the way? Or Muhammad's not the way? Or Joseph Smith? Jesus answered him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ made a claim. He made a one-of-a-kind, unbelievable, unique claim. And here's the claim. He claimed to be God. Now, if you claim to be God, I mean, if we had someone show up here today at Woodland Hills Baptist Church, come up and step on this stage and say they wanted to speak because they were, they were God. And by the way, I'm so excited to speak here today, Pastor. This is the first time 
I've ever been the one that was supposed to be speaking here. I'm always filling in because somebody missed a plane or, or, or you know, something happened. And this is the first time I've ever got my name and my picture in the bulletin. And I just want you to say, this is, this is awesome. It, and I, I thought, sure, I bet I get sick and somebody has to fill in for it. But I'm, but I'm here. But let's say somebody showed up today and they made the announcement that they're God. We have a word for that kind of person. Mentally ill. I mean, you just don't go up and tell people that you're God. Pastor, I was in the airport, and, you know, he was flying in from Denver. I was hoping he was going to make his, his flight and stuff so yesterday. He got this really good deal. and he and, Where's Becky? Where, she's not here this morning. She's not here this morning. All right. She's one of my favorite people in the world, too. So I was in the airport, Pastor Charles, and, and I, I had to make a connection, and I was going to eat, make my connection, go to the next place. So, but it all got delayed, so when I landed, okay, everything's going late and all the stuff in the airport's closed all the stuff and I'm starving and there's a McDonald's right there and they've got the cage down on it you know you can see the food on the pictures and the menu and stuff and and I was just like man I'm starving so I got my Bible out I'm just gonna read <laughs> the food of the Word of God so I'm just reading my Bible and all of a sudden uh, this this voice from behind me goes hey you like my book and I thought, oh, this is my Bible. I'm, he goes, yeah, he goes, I wrote it. I closed it up. I said, I didn't get your name. He said, well, I'm God. I said, ha, I've been looking for you. I said, man, this is such good timing because I said, I said, man, I, you know, my plane's running late and I'm hungry. I said, here's what I need, God. This is important. See that right there? The menu. I need a number one. And I want you to put a quarter pounder with cheese right here. Just do it. Go, God. Go. And, of course, he looked at me like real strange, and we had a lot of back and forth. And finally I went, you can't do it, can you? He, was like, he wouldn't say no. And I said, look, there are two supreme facts in this universe. Number one, there is a God. And number two, you ain't him. <laughs> you can't even make a quarter pounder with cheese. I mean, if you claim... To be God, people are going to know you are mentally ill. I heard about a guy who, he became a medical doctor. He got an MD. And his first job, you got to start somewhere. He got a job at a mental institution. And so it's his first day, and he walks in, and he sees this guy standing in the corner like this. He's got his hand in his coat pocket, and he's just, he just stands there all day, you know, with this comatose look in space. And the doctor asked one of the nurses, he goes, why is that guy over there always standing around with his hand in his coat like this? looking like he's at attention she said well he thinks he's napoleon he's like napoleon dynamite no 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 he thinks he's napoleon the emperor of france and so doctor says really well i'm gonna i'm gonna cure napoleon so the doctor comes up to him he sticks out his hand so he'll have to pull it out of his coat he says hey i'm dr brown what's your name man jerks his hand back puts it back in his coat and says why i'm napoleon the doctor says really who told you that you were Napoleon? The man said, why, God did. About that time, a guy standing right over here goes, no, I didn't. <laughs> I mean, if you claim to be something more than a mere human being on this planet, you had better be able to back it up. There was a time when Muhammad Ali, you ever heard of him? He was a heavyweight champion of the world. He was the greatest. They called him the greatest. He was on a 747, 
one time, and this plane began to experience severe turbulence. It was so bad, they feared for the lives of the passengers. The, the, the captain turned on the fastened seatbelt sign. They gave all kinds of scary warnings. Everybody buckled up, but the champ, he wouldn't do it. So finally, the flight attendant, at great risk to her life, she unbuckles, she comes over, and she, and she goes over to Ali, and she says, Sir, you're going to have to fasten your seatbelt. Ali just stared at her, was, stared at her for what seemed like an eternity. And finally, he said this, Superman don't need no seatbelt. To which the flight attendant said, Superman don't need no airplane. Buckle up. I mean, if you claim to be something more than a mere human being on this planet, you had better be able to back it up. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ claimed to be the Savior of the world. Now, do you know what it means to be a Savior? Let me tell you, show you, tell you what it means in Greek. It's the image of a lifeguard. To be able, it means, to, to, to be a savior means you have to be able to save. To save from what? Well, Jesus Christ came to save you from the greatest problem that you have. Everybody in this room has the same greatest problem. Do you know what it is? It's death. 100% of everybody ever born dies. And, you know, there's been a lot of people on this planet, there have been thousands of them who have claimed to be your savior. But the problem is they can't save. They can't save you from the thing they're trying to save you from because if you haven't noticed, all of these people who've claimed to be saviors are dead. Okay? Can you imagine somebody wanting to be a lifeguard who can't swim? It's like I've always wanted to be a lifeguard. You, remember, you ever heard the story, Brother, Brother Charles, about the, the guy, he was, he was working a part-time job as a, a lifeguard, but he really wanted to be an evangelist, but everybody was drowning because he'd go, I see that hand. I see that hand. <laughs> but anyway... Can you imagine a life? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that made up for the other joke. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine being a lifeguard and not being able to save? I read a, a true story one time, a tragic story, in USA Today about a, a lady and her, her grandson fell into the deep end of a pool. She was watching the kids at her son's house, and one of the kids fell into the deep end of the pool. She knew she didn't have time to call 911, but she also couldn't swim. She sprinted outside. She dove in to save the child. Well-meaning. But the, the tragic ending to this true story was that a few hours later, both were found deceased in the bottom of the pool. Because, here's the thing. To be a lifeguard, not, it's not enough to be willing to save. You must be able to save. And so, there's a, there's a lot of people who try to say, hey, you know, uh, let me be your savior. But I will tell you this, choosing Choosing a religious leader is not like choosing ice cream. You know, we all would have all kinds of different opinions on what kind of ice cream to get. And I don't know what you like, Pastor, but I mean, you know, people who are filled with the Spirit love Bluebell. That's, yeah, that's what I mean. So in my Bible, I got a, I got a certificate for Bluebell. Some guy that, that, one of the owners of Bluebell, I preach in his church. And, and so no matter how bad things ever get in my life, I can get Bluebell. So, uh, you know, but, but you know, that's just preference. But you know, Picking a religious leader is not like picking ice cream. Picking a religious leader is like picking medicine. And I'll tell you what, you, you ever just took the pills that you thought were the best color? God, I don't, I don't like that medicine. I like that color. Can I take some of yours? 
No, you would never do that. You know why? Because the, the medicine is based on the disease. You're prescribed something. The cure is based on what you're trying, you know, trying to fix. And so everybody in this room has the same greatest problem, and it's death. But, you know, here's the problem. All these people who claim to be your religious leader, Buddha, he's dead. Muhammad is dead. Confucius is dead. Elvis Presley. Well, I don't know. But... Now, I've been to Graceland. He's dead. So, Jesus Christ is alive, risen from the dead. And so, Pastor, I'm going to do something you've probably never seen a Baptist preacher do. I'm going to attempt to do this. This is something else. So, today, and I bet you've never seen him do this, I'm going to try to attempt to preach a one-point sermon. Yeah. Now, he's seen me preach a no-point sermon many times, but today, I'm going to attempt to preach a one-point sermon. And here's the point. Here's the point. Jesus Christ made a one-of-a-kind, unique claim, and here's the point, and he backed up his claim. Did you know that Jesus is not only the name above all names, but Jesus made the claim above all claims. If you were God, and you were going to come to earth, and you were going to try to prove to people that you were God among men, how would you do it? Let me tell you how Jesus did it. When Jesus Christ began his earthly ministry, he unleashed an avalanche of miracles that arrested this world's attention. He healed men blind from birth. He raised the dead. He did miracles that would astound the modern scientific community today. But today, when skeptics look at the life and miracles of Jesus Christ, they say things like, Jesus never did any miracles. He was just a clever magician who was able to fool the pre-scientific people of his generation. Why, if Jesus was alive today, we could reveal how he did his magic tricks like Harry Houdini or David Copperfield. You know, it's interesting. You go see magicians today, you can watch videos on how they did their magic tricks. Well, Jesus had skeptics in his day, didn't he? You know, by the way, when I was an atheist, I was challenged to disprove Christianity. Did you know that I read the Bible from cover to cover before I became a Christian? And that's a different way to read the Bible. Some of you read the Bible through every year of your life. I'm going to tell you something. It's different when you read the Bible as an atheist. And if you are here today and you do not believe in God, I challenge you. I dare you to read the Word of God. And you see what happened. And, and I'll tell you what. So I, 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 and I'm reading through this Bible. And I remember I was applying for a job right here in Longview, Texas. I was an atheist reading the Bible. I applied for a job at Kirby Restaurant Supply on Eastman Road. If you know where that's at. And... Uh, so the, the lady, Grace Bell, asked me, she said, uh, she said, do you go to church anywhere? And I said, no, but I'm reading the Bible. Because I kind of saw where she's kind of going with it. I said, I'm about to read the Bible. And, um, but she didn't know that, that I, I didn't know the Lord. And so I get to the Gospel of John, and here's, here's the scripture that really got me. Jesus is arguing with a group of skeptics. And uh, Jesus finally says, you're never going to get it because you're not my sheep. And Jesus said these words, because my sheep hear my voice. <laughs> so, I mean, so I'm, I'm looking at this going, huh. Here's the question. Here's the question I thought. Who are Jesus' sheep? This is the first time to my knowledge God ever spoke to me. He didn't speak to me out loud. It was just a just a voice in my head. But I heard it just as clear as day. The voice came back and said this people who love truth 
Well, that was not me. I was actually reading the Bible to try to disprove it. I was actually reading the Bible through to find loopholes and find out why none of it was real. And all of a sudden, I began to realize maybe I don't love the truth. Maybe I'm not really doing this study the way I'm supposed to be doing it. And then I started thinking, you know what? I need to be honest about this as I study the Bible, as I study Christianity and go, is this thing really real or not? Not do I want it to be real or do I not want it to be real? You know why some people don't ever find Jesus? They'll tell you they're an atheist. They'll tell you they're a skeptic. But their problem's not in their head. Their problem's in their heart. Do you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, do you know why the world hates me? John 7, 7. He said, the world hates me because I testify that its works are evil. People don't have a head problem. They have a sin problem. Sin is what brings forth death. Sin is what kills us. That is what the Savior came to save from. The angel said, and they shall call his name Jesus because he shall save their people from their sin. So Jesus does all these miracles. Do you know what the two most attacked miracles are in the history of the, of the Christian church? Number one, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but number two, the virgin birth. But let me, let me just say this before I take those two real quick. Um, do you know what's interesting about the miracles of Jesus Christ? Did you know that no first century eyewitness ever denied the fact that Jesus could do miracles? Isn't that incredible? That no one ever tried to expose him. And show how he did his magic tricks. No, read about it in the Bible. All first century eyewitnesses, um, they all admit he could do them. But here's what they said. They said, yes, he can do them. And by the way, when they met, met, met about his miracles in the Bible, the reason they met was to see how they could stop him from doing any more. They said he did them by the power of Satan. That's actually what the Talmud says too, by the way. Babylonian Sanhedrin 43a. It says that Jesus was a sorcerer. Now, I read all this when I was an atheist. Now, do you think as an atheist I went, oh, that's how he did the miracles. He, he had Satan helping him. Let me ask you a question. Do you think it's possible for Satan to be real and God not be real? No. If Satan is real, then God is real. Because trying to blame this on Satan, and by the way, do a study on Satan sometime. Read a Leighton Pagel's book on the history of Satanism, and you know what you'll discover about Satan? Because other religions have a Satan, like Islam has a Satan, uh, Mormonism has a Do you know other religions who have a Satan? Wait for it, stole our Satan? Yes, there is no such thing as Satan outside of this Bible. And you know, it, it, it just blows my mind why anybody would want to try to, you know, found a religion on him, because if you read about him, Satan is a lahu sahur, okay? He, he's going down. So, you know, simply saying that he did miracles and helped Jesus. Um, by the way, you know, how many, how many miracles ever have to happen for God to exist? Just one. If one miracle has ever happened in the world, there's a God. How many in here have ever had a miracle in your life? Would you raise your hand? Look around. Look around. Look up and down. There, there's hands everywhere. There's people telling you there is a God. And you know there's a God. God made you. You know this. You know the world tries to tell you a lie. People who love truth. People who love truth. Let me tell you the lie that you've been hearing. You've been hearing the lie that you're an accident. You've been hearing a lie that you just came from goo and that there's nothing special about you. But you know what? That's not true. You're not fungible. The world says you're fungible. You know what fungible means? The same as any other one. Money's fungible. 
One dollar bill is the same as another. It's worth the same. M&Ms are fungible. Uh, on and on and on. But people aren't fungible. I'm going to tell you something. After you're gone, there'll never be another. You, you know this. You already know this. You, you, you can look around at the people, and when they're gone, there'll never be another, there'll never be another Tammy Whitehurst. You are unique, and you know those, those, that feeling that you have in your heart, I was made for something. I was made to do You were. You were made by God. You're not an accident. You were created by him to have a relationship with him, and God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and you just being here is a miracle. Are you looking for the truth, or are you just looking... To believe the lie. So, do you realize that nobody ever in the first century ever denied that Jesus could do miracles? It was only in the second century to the present that people first began to deny the miracles. People weren't even there! They weren't even there! So first off, the virgin birth. Why would somebody deny the virgin birth? I was doing a debate one time with an atheist and he said, he said, look, I'm never going to believe any of this because of the virgin birth. I said, what's your problem with the virgin birth? He goes, it's a miracle. <laughs> I just thought, I thought in Greek. I thought, duh. <laughs> you say, Frank, are you sure does a Greek word? Oh, it is. You know what duh means in Greek? It means duh. <laughs> That's what it meant. Yeah. I was like, of course it's a miracle. I, I mean, or it wouldn't be a sign. The angel said a sign shall be given. A virgin shall conceive and bring forth a child, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is to say, God with us. Do you realize, unlike you and unlike me, Jesus Christ did not have an earthly father? Because of that, unlike you and unlike me, he did not inherit a sinful nature. Do you realize that you are a sinner by nature and by choice? You were born a sinner because you have a father. Now, I'm telling you, every single person in here has, has a father, but Jesus Christ did not have an earthly father. Read the Bible. That's how, you, that's how you inherit a sinful nature. It gets passed on from Adam on down, but Jesus did not have an earthly father. So here's one of the biggest things that you need to understand about Christianity. Here's one of the biggest things you need to share with people who don't know Jesus, and that is the incredible miracle that Jesus did that nobody ever talks about. It's the miracle of the perfect life. We always talk about the first miracle that Jesus ever did. It was the first one he ever did. Well, you know what it was. What was it? He turned water into wine. But his whole life, he's doing this incredible miracle of a perfect life. See, that's what no other religious leader has. I mean, that's why Jesus constantly stood up and challenged people. Somebody stand up and show me a sinner. Jesus said, that prove that I'm a sinner. Jesus said this constantly. Which of you convinces me of sin? The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God. Do you realize the virgin birth ensures the sinless nature of Jesus Christ? The angel said, and they shall call his name Jesus because he shall save his people from their sin. Listen, sinful saviors can't save anybody. So... When you start talking about Jesus, you better start talking about the miracle of the perfect life. He lived the perfect life, and he died for you that while you were yet a sinner, he died for you. You know what I believe with all my heart? I believe that if I was the only one who would have ever sinned, Jesus still would have came and died for me. 
You know what I believe? I believe that if you were the only person that it would have ever said, Jesus Christ would have still came and died for you. He made you. He created you. He loves you. He has an incredible plan and purpose for your life. If you love truth, you're going to love Jesus. He's been looking for you. He's not far from each one of us, the Bible says in Acts chapter 17. But you got to seek. You got you to seek after him. If you seek, you'll find. If you'll ask, you will receive. If you knock, it will be opened. You know, the virgin birth was so important in the early church. It was included in all the early, early creeds. It was included in the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. The early church father, Ignatius, who was martyred in 117 A.D., he said the virgin birth is something to be shouted about because it testifies of the sinless nature of Jesus Christ. I close with a final story about the resurrection. I was in a debate with an atheist, and he says... Uh, He's in his closing argument, so I'm over here looking through my notes. I'm going to do my closing argument. And, and he says, he says uh, I don't believe that dead men can come back from the dead. And got quiet. And he said it again. I don't believe that dead men can come back from the dead. And then I realized he wanted me to talk. And I was like, I don't either. <laughs> he said, I don't think you heard me, Dr. Harper. I don't believe that dead men can come back from the dead. I said, I'm with you. He said, no, what I'm saying is, is that when people die, they stay dead and they don't come back. I said, we're on the same page. He goes, no, 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 we're not on the same page because you're sitting over there saying that Jesus Christ came back from the dead. And I went, you're about to get it. <laughs> you're about to get, you're about to cross over and understand something here. See, because Jesus Christ wasn't a mere man. I quoted to him Acts 2.24. You know what Acts 2.24 says? One of the few times the, word uses, the, the Bible uses the word impossible. It says it was impossible for Jesus to stay dead. Do you know that? Whom God loosed. Because I'll tell you why. You know what happens? If God were to beam down here right now in any form, in the form of a man or whatever form, and you blew it up with an atomic bomb, do you think God would be dead? Ha! <laughs> no. No, no, no. I mean... You, you know, so, so this atheist, he goes, he goes, well, I'll tell you what, that's just your opinion. I said, well, let me tell you something. My opinion rose again from the dead. What can yours do? Do it. Yeah. Because you're going to meet a lot of skeptics go, I don't believe the Bible is the word. Well, let me sh show me your Bible. I don't believe Jesus is the Savior of the world. Well, show me what. Why don't you come back from the dead to prove what he said is not true and what you said is true? Let me tell you, folks. I prayed to receive Christ in Gladewater, Texas, on Highway 80, right in front of the rodeo grounds. And I tell you what, I can tell you the exact moment that Christ came into my heart. And you know what? I've never looked back. I've never met anybody who got to the end of their life and said, I wish I hadn't accepted Jesus Christ into my heart. It was such a waste of time. No, 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 no. Let me tell you something. Christ will come in and he will change your life. And you know what? I hear all this stuff about other religious leaders, but I told this guy, I said, look, I'm going to tell you what. I'm going with the guy that came back from the dead. I am. 
I'm not changing my mind. I have staked my life on this. And you know what? You won't be sorry if you do it as well. Would you pray with me? If you're here this morning and you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ, do you know you could do that today? It's what you're created to do. You have to be willing to repent. You say, what's that mean, Frank? You have to be willing to turn from your sin. You have to admit that you're a sinner. It's not that hard a thing. You, you've done it. It's, 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 it's common knowledge. It's obvious. You have to be willing to turn from your sins and then place your faith and trust in what Christ did for you on the cross. You have to do it by faith. See, because your problem's not in your head. Your problem's in your heart. Your problem's not an intellectual barrier. Your problem is a sin barrier. And so today, if you take care of the sin problem, It'll take care of so much, so many things in your life. It'll answer so many questions. So if you've never received Christ today by faith, invite him into your heart. Just say an everlasting yes to him. In just a moment, we're going to have an invitation. Pastor Charles is going to be at the front. And here's what I want you to do. If you want to receive Christ today, I want you in the invitation time, when we rise, I want you to get up out of your seat and I want you to come to the front and I want you to shake his hand and I want you to tell him today, say, Pastor, I'm coming to receive Christ today. Be bold. Be courageous. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father who is in heaven. If you have another decision that you'd like to make today in this invitation time, this is your moment. Maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe you need to recommit your life. You say, look, I've I've been away from the Lord for a long time, and I, I, I want to come back. I want to come back today. Would you come down and tell Pastor, I'm back. I want to come back. Maybe you need to join this church. You know, many of you are going to have the opportunity to do in this invitation what I can't do, but I want to do with all my heart. I want to join this church. And today, you can do it. So, listen. You know, if you don't have a church home and God's speaking to you, that some of the greatest people I know go to this church and, and you could become a part of a family and they will love you and they will embrace you. You won't even believe it. So if you want to become a part of Woodland Hills Baptist Church, I'm going to ask you to come. Father, in Jesus' name, we, we pray for this invitation time. And Lord, we just pray that, uh, Lord, the decisions that need to be made, they would find the courage to make these decisions. and You would bless them for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's all 